All right, I'm going to pray for us. Father, we come before you. Uh, we're before you, Lord. And, uh, Lord, we need to hear from you tonight, from your word. And I'm excited for what you're going to teach us. And so, God, would you be glorified as we open your word and pray these things in your son's name. Amen. All right. So, guys, I was just telling you some lies, right? Um, mixed in with some truths. And the lies that, that I was telling you weren't like full on lies, right? So I did, I met my wife in 2012, but I didn't meet her on a game show, right? Um, I did, uh, I can read, just not fast, right? And, and it's an example of how we can start to intermingle lies into truths. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? I'm wondering if you could just uh, think for a minute the last time that you were lied to, like when you found out about it. Just for a moment, can you take 20 seconds just to think, when's the last time I was lied to? You guys are thinking about it out loud? So, when you were lied to, what was that like? Someone tell me what it was like to find out that you were lied to. I felt disgusted that they lied to me. You felt disgusted. What else? What did you feel like when you found out someone was like deceiving you? Yeah. It made me feel like I wasn't as smart as I thought I was. Dang. Yeah. I wasn't as smart as I thought I was. Like I thought I kind of knew this person, but I'm realizing that I did. I thought I had it figured out, but I didn't. What else? What was it like to find out, Elijah? What was it like? You felt like they hated you. Yeah, so that's not good. You felt discouraged by that? Yeah. Lying is dangerous. You know, there's a, uh, there's a principle called the illusion of truth effect. Has anyone heard of this before? The illusion of truth effect. It's the tendency to believe false information to be correct after repeated exposure. So if you hear something over and over and over again, at some point you start to believe it to be true. Have you guys had this experience before? Right? So you hear something over and over and over, and it starts to be true. This can be incredibly dangerous. Like if you hear a lie like, I need to look or be a certain way to be loved. If that gets into the recesses of your mind, that I need to look or be a certain way to be loved, it starts to mess with you, right? It starts to cause you to be worried and consumed about what other people are thinking. Or, or a lie like, my value is based on my achievements. Over and over and over, you hear this just playing in the back of your mind, and you start to believe it to be true. Has anyone had any lies like this playing in the back of their mind? Yeah, yeah, I have too. So the way we see these things affect us, right? I want, can you guys see this up here on the, on the board? There's a... Yeah, can you see this here? What do you see here? A woman. What kind of woman do you see? What's that? A young, beautiful woman. Does anyone see a young, beautiful woman? What do you see? What else? Okay. If I tell you, if I tell you that this is the mouth, 
What do you see? An old lady. Okay. Are you guys following me? That's what I was waiting for. That's what I grew up. Aisha. Okay. This is a mouth, right? And this is the eyes. This is a big nose. Right. Okay. So this is a picture that looks like two different women based on your perspective. It looks like a young, beautiful woman, or it looks like an old lady. If you need to, you can come find me afterwards. I'll show you, right? It might take you a minute. So our perception, how we see anything, it's significant, right? It changes the way that we see ourselves. When we believe a lie over and over and over, it starts to develop something inside of us, right? It starts to change the way that we see ourselves, the way that we see our relationships, the way that we see God. You guys see this? This is just an example. So even in the game that we played earlier, I was telling you these little lies and it could slowly change the way that you see me. And this is why we have to be all about God's word. It's crucial. It gives us our creator's perspective, the one who created us. It gives us his perspective and it gives us a compass to be able to see what he has for us, to guide us and give us direction. So this weekend, I'm going to try to not do this. It's like, I feel like I'm like chasing it. So this weekend we'll be exploring what it looks like to see the truth and we look at this reasonable truth together, right? We want to be able to see the truth And then see what the reasonable response is to the truth. And how when we see this response, and we respond to it together, reasonably, how it impacts the way we live our life. So people live their lives all kinds of ways and find their identity in all kinds of things. I think you probably have experienced this. Who's who's ever seen like one of those uh, Salt Life stickers or shirts? You guys ever seen this? It's like Salt Life. Salt Life, right? Okay, so you might not be into salt life. Probably not. There's not a lot of salt around here other than just our food is super salty. But salt life is about people who live near or in the ocean, right? They, their identity is about being in the ocean. They like to surf. They like to fish. They like to go to the beach, right? And so they're all about salt life. And so what I want for us to consider this weekend is for us to be in and around the Word of God. So I'm naming this weekend Truth Life. Okay? Truth Life. This would mean that truth, we have a truth-filled life. And so this weekend I want us to identify ourselves with the living word of truth. So the title is Truth Life. You guys see that on your, your handout? Does everybody have a handout and a pen, pencil, mechanical pencil? Are those a thing anymore? Yeah. yeah, okay. So tonight we'll be observing the conversation Jesus had with his disciples about the truth of who he is. This conversation is in the thick of Jesus' earthly ministry, 
where he had been performing all kinds of crazy miracles. You guys know about the miracles that Jesus performed? Jesus' disciples were eyewitnesses to him turning water into wine, to healing people of all kinds of ailments, from being blind to being deaf. They couldn't speak. There was dudes without hands that he grew hands for them. He walked on water. He calmed the water. You guys hear about this? Can you imagine being with somebody and seeing them do all of this crazy stuff? I can't even, it'd be like hanging out with Jeff and he's like, hey, you guys hungry? You guys, and like pulls out some like hot pizza rolls. How many do you want? You want 20 pizza rolls? Here's some pizza rolls, bro. You want some pizza rolls? Pizza rolls. Can you imagine like Jeff pulling out pizza rolls out of his pocket like that? Hot, perfect. What's that? Sick, like gross. It's like, dude, where did those pizza rolls come from? Your pocket? Like cool, sick. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Some Hot Pockets? You're like, I'm not into pizza rolls. Put those back. Give me the Hot Pockets. Yeah. So at this time in Jesus' ministry, he made mention of the fact that he was God. But his disciples, they didn't really understand it. They couldn't wrap their minds around it. So where we're going to be jumping in tonight... We see Jesus with his disciples, okay? They are pulling into the coast of Caesarea, Philippi. This is like an ancient Roman city. So they're walking into the city and they're seeing, they're around the markets and everything. And they're seeing these idols and these gods that people are worshiping. And they find a place to sit down and pray. So tonight's message is called, Who Do You Say That I Am? I want you guys to turn to Luke chapter 19. Uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 18 in your Bibles. Luke chapter 9, verse 18. If you go to halfway, and then you go to three-fourths, you'll find Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 9. Can I do this? You guys with me? Raise your hand if you're with me. Yeah? Okay. Luke chapter 9, verse 18, it says, And it came to pass, as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him, and he asked them, saying, Whom say the people that I am? So I don't know this for sure, but I imagine Jesus sitting around with his his guys, and they're all praying, and he's looking around at these people, and he's seeing this, this market, and he's seeing all these statues, and these people walking by and living his life, their lives, and he just turns to his guys and he says, what do, you, what do you think these people think about me? Who do you think, who do these people think that I am? And what's interesting about this question is that Jesus already knew what everybody thought. It says many times in the Gospels that he could read people's minds. There's many times where he would, he would perceive the hearts of the people. And so he's not asking them actually, like, because he wanted to know. He's asking his disciples because it was important for them to consider this question. And it's important for us to consider it as well. What do people think about who Jesus is? So we're going to look into that. In verse 19, they answered, they said, Their answering said, John the Baptist, but some say Elias, and others say the one of the old prophets is risen again. So the disciples that are with Jesus have been witnessing Jesus do all of this crazy stuff, 
And they're also watching people's reactions. It's like Jeff's pulling out pizza rolls, and then we're kind of like, dude, where'd you get those pizza rolls? Like, they couldn't believe that Jesus was doing the things that he was. And so they needed to consider what the people around them were thinking. Real quick, I want to talk about some of the people that they kind of thought maybe Jesus was. The first thing uh, they said was, the first person was John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist was um, Jesus' slightly older cousin who was actually dead at the time. The, the king at the time had beheaded John the Baptist. Uh, so people thought that John had come back to life. And a cool thing to know about John the Baptist is that he was born with the Holy Spirit from the womb. You know, we, we're not born with the Holy Spirit. Uh, we receive the Holy Spirit when we believe on Jesus Christ. But he was born with the Holy Spirit because his role and purpose was to prepare the way for Christ. Right? So, the reason for this to be, uh, was because he was going to tell people about who Jesus was. And 700 years before John or Jesus were on the scene, there was a, a prophet who spoke about this. His name was Isaiah. Are you guys familiar with prophets and prophecies? Yeah? Yeah? Can I tell you what a prophecy is? So a prophecy is a message given to men by God about the future. And there's tons of prophecy in the Bible about Jesus that came true. So it's things that we can know that's going to happen so that we can know this is the guy. This is the Messiah. So in the Old Testament, we have this book called Isaiah, full of prophecies. In Isaiah 40, verse 3, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, and make straight in the desert a highway for, for our God. And in Mark, it says that John was that voice in the wilderness. It says, And it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before the face, before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. So people were anticipating that there would be a messenger and a Messiah. Okay? So when John started preaching, some thought he might be Christ. It says in Luke 3.15 that the people mused in their hearts, but he knew, he spoke to them, he said, and unto them all, I, need, I indeed baptize with water, but one mightier than I cometh, that latcheth of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloosen. He shall be baptized, uh, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So here John is clearing things up for him, right? So John is telling everyone, I am not the guy. I can't even touch this dude's shoelaces. I'm not the guy. The next guy who's coming is more powerful than I could ever be. I'm just this hype guy. You guys know what a hype guy is? It's the guy like stands in the back and like says every other word and does this motion. It's the hype guy. You guys, you're like, I've never seen this. Okay. It's the hype guy, right? Is anybody hype guys, right? You're my hype guy. I appreciate it. So John the Baptist and Jesus were similar in that they were both teachers, but one was a messenger and the other was a Messiah. When people were thinking that Jesus was actually John the Baptist, they were missing it. So we don't want to miss it, guys. We don't want to miss what the, the Word of God is telling us. Another disciple spoke up and they were thinking, um, Elias? 
Maybe one of the old prophets. So Elias is the Greek form of the word Elijah. And Elijah is one of the prophets in the Bible. Do you guys know how Elijah died? You guys know who Hulk Hogan is? What's that? (laughs) You don't count. He didn't die, guys. Elijah did not die. He was taken up in a chariot of fire into heaven. He's like the only dude that can say he didn't die. One of them. That's pretty sweet. Elijah did not die. So people were thinking, maybe Elijah is back. They thought traditionally that Elijah would come back. And so it was a reasonable thought that maybe this guy is Elijah. So he too, he wasn't, he wasn't, the, 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 messenger, he wasn't the messenger or the Messiah. So a good example of this, someone thinking that Jesus was just a prophet, is this blind guy from birth that Jesus healed. Originally, he was blind. He was, he was born blind. And, and when Jesus healed him, he, he thought maybe he was a prophet. Have you guys heard about this guy where Jesus took some mud or he made some mud? What did he do? You're shaking your head. What did he, how did he make the mud? That's, that's a good guess. She said, water and soil, duh. He spit in the dirt. Spit in the dirt. Made some, made some clay with it. And he wiped it on the dude's eyes. That's a weird flex, isn't it? You know what I mean? It's like, that's gross. But it's Jesus, so he can kind of do what he wants. But that's, that's like worse than... Does your mom ever come at you with the... Does your mom do that? Do you guys know about the spit thumb? Gosh, I'm like, Mom... I'm 36. The peanut butter is going to stay in my mouth from now on, you know. Does anybody have the mom thumb? It's weird. When you get kids, though, it's like, you get it off, man. You get it off. So Jesus told this blind guy to go wash his eyes because he's got spit and dirt in his eyes. And the dude was able to see. It was so crazy. It was so crazy that the people that knew him didn't even believe it was him. So they brought him before the, 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 the Pharisees at that time. And they started questioning him. How did you get, how did you, who healed you? How did this happen? They were upset because he was healed on the Sabbath. They found out it was Jesus and they were super bummed. It's like, this dude's been blind his whole life. And at that time, if you're blind, it's like over. You can't do anything. You can't get a job. You're just sitting around hoping that someone gives you a sandwich. This guy all of a sudden wasn't blind anymore. They kept asking him and he finally responded to him in John 19, verse 17. It said, They say unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him that he hath opened thine eyes? And he said, He is a prophet. So he's saying, I don't know the guy. I'm blind. I've never even seen him. I guess he's some kind of prophet. And just as the disciples said, right? People think you're some kind of prophet. Even though he healed him, even though Jesus healed him, he still thought he was a prophet. The religious leaders, they thought he was uh, the worst thing ever, right? He was completely ruining all of their plans, right? So these Pharisees, they called him a sinner. They also called him just uh, later on in this same chapter, this fellow. They said, uh, he's this fellow. We know not from whence he is. So, I want you guys to think about this. When we, when we consider the religious people of this day, um, 
They called him just some guy, right? Um, they called Jesus the, the creator of the universe, the, the savior of the world. They called him just this fellow, this sinner, this guy. What's messed up about this, guys, is these individuals, they were the ones that were supposed to know who this guy was. You know, to be a Pharisee, they had to read and to memorize their Bible. When I, when I was a kid, I couldn't even remember my address. You know, and these guys are memorizing the whole Bible that they had at the time. It was their own job. It was their main job. And I think about that for, for the believers in the room. You know, we need to be really careful about what we know. They said they knew not from where Jesus came from. I want you guys to hear this and to get this down. You can write this in your notes. It says, to know the truth, we must lay down our pride. Pride goes in your blank. See, when we think that we know everything, we're not open to knowing and to hearing the truth. When we think we have everything figured out, we're not able to hear the truth. Jesus tried to tell these guys who he was. And just as we discussed earlier with the illusion of the truth effect, you know, they heard the same lies over and over and over and over again until it became their truth. This happened to them. They rejected Jesus, the person that they should have been seeing from the beginning, because they believed a lie. They were so certain of this lie that they even cast out this blind guy from, from the synagogue. They told him, you can't teach us anything. You get out of here. What's so cool about this, guys, is that later, towards the end of that chapter, in John chapter 9, verse 35, Jesus went and found this guy that got cast out. He said, Jesus heard that, that, that he got cast out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? This is the posture that we need to take. Verse 36, he answered and said, Who is he? Lord, that I might believe on him. And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Guys, when we lay down our pride and humble ourselves, God will reveal the lies. And open our spiritual eyes to the truth. He will reveal the lies that we believe. And open our spiritual eyes. After the disciples shared what they had heard, what the people said about him, he asked them another question. Verse 20, he said, But whom say ye that I am? And I can imagine, you know, just sitting there with those, those guys that a stillness fell over the group as they considered their own hearts. Jesus just asked them the most important question of all time. The most important question of all time. Whom say ye that I am? Who do you say that I am? You know, we just talked about what do you think they think of me, but who do you say that I am? When you quiet your heart or close your eyes, when you see the trees budding all around you in the spring, and when you look 
to the stars and you consider the fact that you're just this tiny microorganism on this rock hurling through the universe that's going around this ball of fire. It's just close enough to where we don't freeze to death or just close enough to where we don't incinerate if we were to get any closer. Who do you say that I am? When you're alone in your bed at night and you can feel the oxygen in your lungs and the blood in your veins. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Who do you say that I am? And you hear this small whisper if you were to listen As it says in Isaiah 45, verse 22, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. Whom say ye that I am is the goat. Do you guys know about the goat? The greatest of all time. It's the greatest of all time question, because the way you answer it impacts you for eternity. And Peter, as he gathered his thoughts in verse 20, he said, You're Christ, the Christ of God. The Christ of God. So, Christ is not Jesus' last name. I don't want to break that to you guys too harshly, but it's a title. Christ is a title. Christ means Messiah, the Anointed One. So, some, he's not some messenger or some teacher or prophet. He's not some guy that you, you pray to before you eat your $5 Taco Bell box. You guys like Taco Bell? Yeah. I can kill. What we had tonight was like better than Taco Bell, but I can kill some Taco Bell. Jesus is not some guy hanging on a cross in your grandmother's kitchen. He's the creator and the savior of the universe. He is the one true Messiah. In the book of Matthew, and this is the way the Gospels work, it's different accounts of Jesus' life. So in Matthew, on this same account, he tells of what uh, Jesus said in response to Peter saying, that you are Christ the God. He said in Matthew 16, And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. See, the reason that Peter knew that Jesus was the one true Messiah, the Savior of the universe, was not because he saw Jesus feed the 5,000, although he did. It's not because he saw him heal blind men, although he did. But it's because God revealed himself to him. Look unto me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. The Father revealed himself to Peter. I want you guys to get this down. To know the truth, we must listen to the truth giver. We must listen to the truth giver. God revealed the truth to Peter and he reveals the truth to us. As we look at the creation around us, as we think about the blood pumping in our veins, as we open God's word, he reveals the truth to us. After Peter shared this with with Jesus, Jesus responded in verse 21, he said, And he straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man that thing, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be slain. 
and be raised the third day. So up to this point, Jesus hadn't really been real upfront about why he was there. He had made some hints about what he was doing there. He shared that he was the son of God. But now he was being very direct. He said, I will suffer. I will be rejected. The people who were supposed to know that I was coming, these are the people that are going to kill me and I'm going to be raised on the third day. What the disciples had yet to fully understand at this time was that Jesus was on a mission. The one true Messiah, the Savior of the universe for all mankind was going to die for you and for me. Have you guys heard this story before? After Christ was rejected by the religious leaders and he was slain and he was raised from the dead on the third day, he brought them back to this conversation that they had that day. He brought them back to it. He said in Luke 24, 44, And he said unto them, These are the words which I spoke unto you while I was yet with you. So he's referring to this conversation. That all things must be filled which were written in the laws, the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me, then, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in the name among all nations beginning in Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. So Jesus the Christ, the one true Messiah and Savior, he was murdered, he was buried, and he was raised from the dead. And the, and the wonders of his death and resurrection would be the most convincing proof that he was the Christ. This is why the question, whom say ye that I am, is the most important question of all time. Whom say ye that I am? Because Jesus told us who he was. I want you guys to get this down. To know the truth, we must be reconciled to the life giver. Jesus told us who He is. In John 14.6 it says, I, He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. Jesus is the life. Therefore, He is the life giver. And the truth is that He is the only way to have a right relationship with God. When we receive this life, we can know the truth. So the Bible tells us in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Meaning, that God is holy. And in order for us to be able to be right with Him, we too have to be holy. How many of you guys have, uh, are on your school's like archery team? You guys? Yeah? Nice. For real? Nice. I was going to be like, there's no school that has an archery team. Is that for real? Oh, we got to talk. That's cool. Okay. So, archery is a sport. Um, you, does everybody know what archery is, first of all? Okay, you've seen Robin Hood or what? Like, what's the new... People know about Robin Hood? What's a... Green Arrow? Green Arrow? Okay. Anyway, we digress. Okay, so the, the word sin, you guys heard the word sin before? Sin is actually, actually an archery term. So when you are um, 
shooting an arrow at a target, there's a bullseye. I'm sure you guys are familiar. If you've ever been to the grocery store, it looks like that, right? Target. target, yes. Not Walmart. She's like, the Walmart logo looks nothing like a target. Yeah. Well, Target has groceries at my Target. Is yours not? That's a super target. Oh, dang. We got a super target. Okay, so when you're at the super target, so when you, when you shoot at the target, wherever you hit on the target versus where the bullseye is, that's the sin, right? It's how much you missed the mark. You guys know what I mean here? So for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, God hits the mark in order for us to be with Him Something has to cover our sin. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So just like any gift, in order for you to have it, you have to receive it. And what Christ did for us was a gift that we can receive. And the way that we do it is we let Him in to our life by believing on Him. In our world today, people think all kinds of things about who Jesus is. You know, a few people these days think that he's just a fictional character because we kind of know a lot about history. Um, He's a real guy. Jesus is a real guy that lived 2,000 years ago. But a lot of people, a lot of times, people will think that he was some great teacher or prophet. Just just a guy. You know, he did some good things. Um, And that's the same as how people think of him today. People thought of him that that way 2,000 years ago. Um, Has anyone seen the Narnia movies? Okay, so there's a dude named C.S. Lewis. I'm going to read a quote from him about this. Uh, He wrote the Narnia books. He said in a book called Mere Christianity, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. Okay. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg. Can you guys see the poached egg? I thought that was funny. Like, who's like, I'm a poached egg? It's weird. Or else he would be the devil himself. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can, call, you can fall at his feet and call him the Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open for us. You guys hear that? Jesus did not leave it open for us to think of him anything other than Christ the God. Christ. Our first key point for the weekend and closing point for tonight. Key retreat point number one. Truth life starts with self-examination. Self-examination. In 2 Corinthians 13, uh, 5, it says, Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you. So tonight, guys, I want you to take some time. I just want to, I know everyone's like (laughs) sticking your stuff away. I want you to take some time to evaluate, to examine yourself. I want you to ask yourself 
the most important question of all time. Who do you say that He is? Who do you say that He is? You know, maybe you're here tonight and, and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Uh, maybe you have thought of Him. Uh, maybe, maybe He's your parents' God. I don't know, maybe you think He's a good teacher. Maybe you haven't really thought about Him at all. I just want to say that you owe it to yourself. If Jesus is who He says He is, that He is the way the truth, and the life. You owe it to yourself to consider this for yourself. And I guess I'm wondering if if you can't, you know, what's getting in the way of that? Maybe you have some pride like the the Pharisees. Um, Maybe you're spiritually blind because you believe some lie and you've heard it over and over and over again. This, you know, maybe you're thinking he wouldn't forgive me. Not, not the things that I've done. Or are you like the blind guy who, you know, you're just hearing this for the first time and you're thinking, who are you? Tell me who you are so I can believe. If that's you, if this is compelling to you, I want to encourage you to, to come talk to me. Come talk to, to these guys. Don't leave this weekend without considering this. Or maybe, you know, you... Man, you've been to a bunch of these things before. You know, you've taken the notes, you've filled in all the blanks, and, and maybe at some point in your life you, you really did, um, you know, receive Christ. You considered who Jesus was and you received Him for yourself. But maybe you, if, you know, you're sitting here tonight and you're thinking, man, if Jesus asked me who I thought He was, if I was just sitting with Him, I don't know if, like the way that I actually live would reflect what I actually believe. It says in, in Lamentations 3.40, Let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. Man, we can turn again to Him this weekend. So I want this weekend for you to be a time where you challenge any lie, anything that's getting in the way of you holding on to the truth, any lie that maybe is keeping you from living your life for Christ. Any lie that would rob you from living a truth-filled life. Are you guys with me? I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to close. I love you guys. I'm so excited to be with you this weekend. And if you see me around, please come and grab me and uh, introduce yourself. All right, I'm going to pray. Father, I'm so grateful uh, for your word and just for all the kids in this room, man, Lord, would you just do a work this weekend that only you can do. Would you get a hold of their hearts, Lord? We don't want to believe any lies. God, we don't want to waste our life. Lord, we want to be right when we say this is who you are, that you are Christ, the God. I pray these things in your son's name. Amen.